Good morning. The scripture readings this morning are, there's several of them, Acts 4, verses 32 to 35, Psalm 24, verse 1, and Psalm 112, verse 5. And you can read along up on the teleprompter, whatever that is. As we do that, listen for the Lord's concept and teachings about generosity. Acts 4, verse 32 to 35. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned land and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Then from Psalms, Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it. Psalm 112, verse 5, it is well with those who deal generously and lend, who conduct their affairs with justice. May this be the peace and grace of the reading of the Lord's word. Amen. Well, uh, for those of you, if you haven't been with us for this summer, uh, we've been in a series thinking about spiritual practices and spiritual disciplines that we can um, engage in our lives that help us grow in our relationship with Christ, that deepen our walk with Jesus, that help us uh, develop our union with God. There's a lot of different ways we can talk about this, but it's about being transformed into the character and likeness of Christ. And the image of, that we've been thinking about is the image of a vine, of Jesus as the vine, and we as his disciples are the branches. And and the way for us to live fruit-bearing lives is to be attached to the vine because as a branch produces fruit, those nutrients that produce that fruit comes from the life of the vine itself. And so the more that we are, our lives in the life of Jesus are being intertwined with one another, the more fruit-bearing lives we are um, able to live. And so we've been looking at various practices that help us in that direction. We've We've thought about solitude, looked at prayer, We've looked at fasting. We've looked at Sabbath. Um, Today, we are talking about generosity, uh, the spiritual discipline of generosity. And as we're thinking about that and thinking about generosity, I don't want to, what I don't want to do is, is give a sermon about why we should be more generous and or how we should be more generous with our time, talent, and our treasure. Those things are important and, and very meaningful. But I want to try to get a little underneath this and to get a little bit closer to 
our hearts to talk about a spirituality of generosity. Because in the spiritual life, generosity is not just about how much money we give away. Generosity is a condition of the heart that chooses vulnerability over security for the sake of another. And I'm going to try to flesh this out. I'm going to try to unpack this a little bit. Generosity is a condition of the heart that chooses vulnerability over security for the sake of another. So when I am generous with my money, I am vulnerable to insecure, to financial insecurity. We choose to be vulnerable when we are generous with our money. When we are generous with our time, we are vulnerable to the idea that we might not be productive enough with our day or that we might not have enough time to do what we need to do. When we are generous with our stories, with our suffering, with our experiences, we are choosing to be vulnerable with our experiences and we are vulnerable to rejection and ultimately loneliness. Ultimately, loneliness. And so generosity is about a lot more than money. However, I'm going to talk about money today because talking about money is the best way to get at the deeper meaning of generosity in our hearts. This is why Jesus talked about money almost more than any other subject except for the kingdom of God, not because he was concerned about money or not having enough of it or anything like that. He didn't really care all that much about money. He cared about our hearts. And money, how we interact with it, has a lot to do with where our hearts are. And so the question is not, as we begin, do I need to be more generous? The question that I want to begin with is, what is my relationship with money? What is the place of money in my life? The importance of money is so tied up with relationships that it seems impossible to think about it without also thinking about how family life, how our family life has influenced our relationship with money. So here's a few questions to, to ponder. How many of us know how much money or how much income our mother or father brings in? or has at this moment? Do we normally talk with them about their money? Is money ever the subject of dinner table conversation? Are family conversations about money, when families do engage in conversation about money, are those conversations usually anxious conversations, or hopeful, or satisfied, or angry? such that is there an emotional complement around the subject of money in the home? Our, uh, did our parents talk with us about money when we were children? Did they teach us skills in how to handle money? And in our own turn, do we discuss our financial affairs with our children? Are we comfortable telling them how we earn it and how we use it? How do we spend the money that we have? Are we inclined to save it so that we will be prepared for emergencies? Or are we inclined to spend it because, after all, the, it might not be there in, in, in later? Do we like to give money? When we give money away, do we like to give it away to friends or to charities, to the church, to educational institutions, to political parties? Where are we, in fact, giving our money away? Do we even think about how and how much and where do we give our taxable, uh, our charitable income? 
Are we concerned about whether our gift is tax deductible? Do we even think about that question? How would we feel if people used the money we gave them in ways that were different than the purpose for which we gave it? So imagine if you gave $1,000 to somebody expecting or, or believing that they're going to use it to serve needy children, and instead you come to find out later that they used it to take a trip to the Caribbean. Would that make you angry? There was once a pastor who told me, if you never want to be fooled, don't ever give any money away. If money touches our relationships with family members as well as the world beyond our home, it also reaches into our inner life. It's interesting that the phrase personal worth refers both to our financial assets as well as our sense of worth as a human being our personal worth. So I just want to invite us to reflect on a few more questions. How does having or not having money affect our self-esteem, our sense of value? Do we feel good about ourselves when we have a lot of money? If we do not have much money, do we feel bad about ourselves? Is a low or even modest income a source of embarrassment? Or do we think money doesn't matter at all? Money and power go together. There's a real relationship between power and a sense of self-worth. Do we ever use money to control institutions or people? In other words, do we use money to make things happen in a way that we want them to happen? Do we ever use money simply to give away to others and give them the freedom to do what they want to do with it? How do we feel when people ask us for money? If any of those questions makes you feel just a little bit uncomfortable, it might be because talking about money is one of the greatest taboos in our society, in our culture. It's right up there with sex and religion. Those three things don't talk about them, right? Why? Why, why money? Because money has something to do with that intimate place deep in our hearts where we need security. We need security. And we don't want to reveal our need for security or give away our security to someone who maybe even accidentally might betray us. And so we don't feel comfortable talking about this. It's vulnerable Many voices around uh, and within us, they warn us about the danger of dependence. Don't be dependent on anybody. Um, we fear being dependent on others because of the idea that dependence is a threat to our security. A friend once uh, told me how his father would, would pound this into his head as he was growing up. Uh, son, be sure you don't become dependent on anyone. Be sure you do not have to beg for what you need. Be sure that you always have enough money so that you can own your own house and have your own things. And as long as you have some money in the bank, nothing bad can ever happen to you. What an illusion. That is a terrible illusion. This pressure in our culture to secure our own future and to control our lives as much as possible, it doesn't have any support in the Bible. 
Our passage from the book of Acts takes place right after the church was born, right after Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell upon the early believers and filled them with, this, the, the, with the presence and power of God. And what happened was this, when that happened, this amazing spirit of generosity and giving broke out into the church. People were selling off their properties and they were giving the proceeds to the church community. We're told that as a result of this generosity, there was not a needy person among them. They were all, all of them had their needs met. There was a man by the name of Joseph from Cyprus who sold one of his fields. And then he brought all of the money that he sold from this field and laid it at the feet of the apostles. And the apostles were so impressed with this gift that they changed his name to Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. This is what happens when the Spirit fills the life of a believer. The security... The power and presence of God gives a security that is so palpable, so powerful, so big, so strong, so overwhelming, that putting your trust in money seems like a really small thing after an experience like that. And so we're invited to look back on this day of Pentecost and believe that it was true, that the Holy Spirit came upon them in such a way that they could trust, they could trust God with everything that they had, and they could give it away. They would never put their trust in money again. Jesus knows our need for security. He's concerned that because security is such a deep human need, that we don't misplace our trust, and that we don't put our trust in things or people that that simply can't offer us real security. The security that comes from money is a type of temporary security, and ultimately it does not secure us. Uh, this is why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you're wondering about the condition of your heart, Jesus says, just look at, you know, your, your expense sheet, and that'll give you a pretty good indication of where your heart is. He also says that we can't find security if our heart is divided. So he says something very radical about that. No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Or as Bob Dylan said, you can serve the devil or you can serve the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody. Um, and the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all this and ridiculed them like, like you would expect. So what is our security base? Is it God or is it money? That, that's what Jesus would ask us. He says we can't put our security in both, God and money. We have to decide where we belong. Do we belong to the world or do we belong, are we citizens of heaven, of an, of an eternal kingdom that is not of this world or are we citizens of this world? Our trust, our basic trust is meant to be in God and we grow in that ability to trust when we act against our fears, our fears that God will not provide and we choose to be generous with our hearts, with our time, our talent, our treasure, and our trust grows. So all these questions that, that I asked were simply to help us to reflect, to self-reflect, because 
that's, it's helpful for me to think about whether or not I'm still putting my security in money, which I can say that, yes, I am, and I'm on this journey, and I'm trying to grow in this journey. Proverbs says, uh, those who trust in their riches will wither, but the righteous will flourish like green leaves. What is the true source of our security? I want to say just a few words about the rich and the poor, because the Bible is unambiguous about God's concern for the poor. Uh, Theologians will talk about it as God's preferential treatment of the poor. And so in Deuteronomy, early in the the Scriptures, in the the Torah, Deuteronomy 15 uh, says, since there will never cease to be some in need on the earth, in other words, since there will always be poor people among you, Open your hand to the poor and needy neighbor in your land. I command you, because there will always be the poor among you, open your hand to the needy neighbor among you. That's the Torah. In the New Testament, James says, uh, has not God chosen the poor of this world to, uh, to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom, that we look to the poor to, to guide us in faith? Uh, that he has promised to those who love him. And then Paul in the church in Corinth um, said that the poor and suffering remind us that the Son of God became poor for our sake. God loves the poor and so do those who follow Christ. And in loving and serving the poor, we have this beautiful opportunity of loving and serving Jesus for what you've done for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, Jesus says, you have done for me. But... But because we have such concern for the poor, as Christians, we find ourselves in this story. We know God's love and and concern for the poor. Sometimes Christians can develop um, a, a kind of judgment or prejudice against the rich. We may feel that the rich are not as good as the poor. I remember uh, something a pastor said to me once, a friend of mine, about a wealthy church in Southern California. He said, look at how this church uh, spends money on their building. There's no way they could be an authentic church. Um, maybe we think the rich have more money than they deserve. Or maybe we think that, that, uh, that they got their wealth at the expense of the poor. Maybe we find it hard to love the rich like the poor. But nobody ever says that we should love the rich any less than we love the poor. The poor are indeed held in the heart of God, but we also must remember that the rich are held there too. I've spent a lot of my, my life um, in, in deep relationships with other people who are wealthy, um, and my experience is that the rich are poor as well but just in different ways. Many rich people are very lonely. Many struggle with a sense of being used. Others suffer from feelings of rejection and depression. It it can seem kind of strange, but the rich need a lot of attention and care too. I've come in touch with rich people uh, who sometimes can get caught, trapped in in a prison of thinking, the only thing that people see in me is money. Wherever I go, I'm the rich aunt or I'm the rich friend. And so I stay in my little circle. 
um, because anytime I go somewhere, as soon as I leave, they say, well, there she goes, the rich person again. Uh, Henry Nowen once told this story about a time when uh, somebody, a banker, called the office, his office at the university where he was teaching. This was at Yale. He was a professor at Yale. And a banker called the office and talked to his assistant and said, I'm, I'm reading Henry Nowen's books, and I, I like them a lot, and I really want him to keep writing. Um, I know it's expensive to write books these days, and so I want to, you know, give money to support Henry's writing. And uh, Henry was away during this time. When this call came in, he, he was away for four months on a sabbatical. And so his assistant called him and said, this banker called me and said that he wants to give you money to support your writing. And Henry said, I, I didn't really know what to do, so I just um, asked her to go out to dinner with him. And so she went out to dinner with him, and they had a great time. And, and apparently they went out to dinner multiple times, such that by the time that I returned, they were good friends. And so I went to dinner with them, and the banker uh, said, thank you so much for coming to dinner with me. And, and he said, Henry, I know that you don't know a thing about money. And Henry said, well, how do you know that? <laughs> And he said, well, because you're a professor and a writer, and I know that university professors and writers don't know a thing about money. And, uh, and he said, and Henry wrote, Henry wrote this. He said, what the man was really saying, however, was what you're writing about is something I want to talk with you about on a more personal level than I can just by reading your books. I believe the only way I can develop a personal relationship with you is through my strength, which is being a banker, my money. Ultimately, this man was saying, I need something that I think you have, and I would really like to get to know you. Henry replied, let's not talk about money right now. Let's just talk about you. And so in time, they became good friends. And uh, for many, many years, they developed a friendship. And the banker, of course, supported Henry several thousand dollars every year, but their friendship was not based on that. Um, it was not transactional. It was so much deeper and more important than money. They were able to share their vulnerabilities with each other and their lives through mu mutuality and trust rather than transaction. And they could offer gifts to one another, spiritual and material. What Jesus invites us to is to see others, rich and poor, as well as uh, our own relationship with money, from our own place of wealth, the spiritual wealth that we have inherited in Christ. In Him, all the jewels of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. We approach anything from a place of great spiritual wealth. We must see people and say, I love you, not because of your money or lack of money, but because of who you are, because of who you are. This is where generosity um, as a spiritual practice goes far beyond money. Money has very little to do with it. Generosity is an opening of the heart. It's an attitude that comes from seeing ourselves as the beloved children of a God of abundance, a generous God 
We do not serve a God of scarcity. And when we have our security there, we can practice the discipline of generosity in how we spend our money, but also in how we share our stories with one another, how we spend our, use our time to serve others. You have so many resources within you, each and every one of you, for the building of God's kingdom. You have your whole life of stories and experiences that can benefit others. The banker had his gift. He was generous with his money. Henry was able to recognize the, the, what was underneath that and to build a friendship out of, out of that. And his spiritual needs were met. Henry's material needs were met. And, and this is what it means to be a spirit-filled church. Uh, there wasn't one who was in need among them. And so the more we give ourselves away for God's purpose, the more God's love and God's mercy and God's grace and God's provision do we recognize flowing into our lives. This is why the scripture tells us and is very clear that it is in giving that we receive. God, we thank you for uh, your generosity to us. And all we have to do is remember. Remember your provision. Remember Jesus. Remember your gift to us. Remember that when we were still sinners, that you died for us. And in that generosity, Lord, we, 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 will, we will seek to be generous in return. So draw us to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen.